welcome to Exposed Conferences. I'm your host, Christina Danielle. Thank you for tuning into the podcast where we are going to be exposing the current trends, challenges, and the future of conferences. As well, I'll be having candid conversations with industry experts that will elevate your events and help you create partnerships that expand beyond the calendar year. I'm really happy to have you listening today. I hope you benefit from today's episode as well as future episodes. On today's episode, we are speaking with Mo Husseini, Senior Vice President of Design with Freeman. Mo is well-steeped in print design, exhibition booth designs, and film, and has a deep background in brand strategy, messaging narrative, creative ideation, experiential marketing, and a variety of digital and physical media. He helps clients launch products and services and brands into the world through live and digital experiences. Mo believes that clarity of purpose, a relentless sense of design minimalism, curiosity, optimism, and the power of human ingenuity and creativity can be harnessed to create amazing stories and experiences. Mo, thank you so much for joining us today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. And thank you for that wonderful introduction. I just thought that was just such a great way to kind of introduce you and what you do for events. I think what we need most right now, which is to be relentless, to be optimistic, and to kind of hold that power of human ingenuity. Thank you. If I can just kind of like hit that uh, double hard, I think optimism really is kind of the most powerful thing we have right now. And and I don't say that as an optimist. I say that as a pessimist. I'm constitutionally the kind of person who prefers to have happy surprises. And so from that standpoint, what, you know, I tend to look at the worst case scenario with everything And the reality of kind of where we're at right now, even when I look at it through that lens of kind of worst case scenario, is um, I do actually feel super optimistic about where events are and, and where they're going. And I know that that seems really ironic given the context of everything we're living through right now, but I'm happy to have that conversation with you over the next uh, few uh, minutes of time we have together. Right. Absolutely. And that's what has brought this discussion about all those kind of questions that are ruminating and the event organizer and event planner's mind is, you know, when will face-to-face events return? What will they look like? How do we plan for the near and long-term future? So can you talk to us a little bit about the impact of coronavirus and what sentiments you're currently seeing in the industry today? Absolutely, sure. There's really kind of no easy way to put it, but the impact of coronavirus has been utterly catastrophic. And we're seeing events cancel all over the place, and we're seeing people dealing with shelter in place orders. We're seeing people limit their interactions with each other. We're seeing businesses pull back on their investments in live, etc. And the impact has been massive. The impact has been very sudden. And, you know, lots of businesses are having to adjust and make decisions in, in a very volatile and fairly dynamic environment. Now, I say all of that and then go on to say that I'm actually quite optimistic. I'm seeing a lot of sentiment out there that really runs the gamut. We're seeing optimism, we're seeing pessimism, and we're seeing everything in between. And I think that the reality of it is that it's very hard to see optimism when you're kind of dealing with something catastrophic. But it's important to find it because I truly think, I truly believe that we're at a moment in time in live that is full of potential. And the reason that I say that, the reason why I think that has a lot to do with kind of my history in events. I'll give you a a good example. I've been involved in pitching creative approaches to events 
events for many years now. And up until recently, with everything that's been going on with the coronavirus, for the most part, we've always gone in and pitched and talked about virtual or digital components to events. And for the most part, our clients have not been interested in those things. Or when they have been interested in those things, they've been interested in them in an almost perfunctory way. So, you know, live streaming of events would basically be we have a camera at the back of the room and we're going to put it on a website somewhere. Nobody's really going to push anybody there. And, you know, that was kind of the perspective. All of a sudden now we're everybody is talking about digital. Everybody's talking about broadcast. Everybody's talking about this virtual component to the event. And I think that that's really good for what it is, but that's not what it is that makes me optimistic. What makes me optimistic is the fact that that all that we're going through has adjusted perspective enough to allow people to look at things in a new light and with new eyes. And I think that that really is what fills me with so much optimism is that I think that the impact of COVID has created in the folks who live and breathe live, myself included, a new openness to innovation, a new openness to looking at our problems with a different set of lenses, a new openness to looking strategically at what we're trying to do. And that's, I think, going to create a real renaissance in live. I'm incredibly excited to see what's going to be happening over the next couple of years because I truly believe that we're going to see a lot of experimentation and a lot of risk-taking in a good way, like smart risks, that is really going to drive the future of the industry forward. And I suspect strongly that the events industry that we see you know, a year or two down the road is going to be a massive step change better than it's ever been in its history. I agree with you. I mean, I I think, you know, a few months ago, we were all kind of in this panic and fear of the unknown and, you know, coming up with solutions to what we were being faced with in the present. But I, I agree that it's going to make change for the better to push us to move at a faster pace as far as like coming up with new ways of innovation. And so it'll be really interesting to see what kind of comes up in in the next year or two. But as far as like getting back to live events, you know, right now we're kind of in this virtual bubble. What do you think it's going to be like over the next few months as far as getting people back to live events and what's going to make people feel comfortable in not only hosting them, but also attending them? I think that that's a really difficult question. And the reason it's a difficult question is not because of the answer, because I think the answer is really simple. It's a very simple answer. The answer is safety. That's what it's going to take for people to feel comfortable hosting or attending live events. The reason that's a difficult answer is that the reality of safety is so incredibly out of our control as either individuals or, frankly, as companies or organizations. It's something that's beyond any of us to solve individually. Like, you know that saying, it takes a village. It's overused. But the reality is that for safety to return, the solution is a systemic one. And it's far beyond, I think, what what any of us can do individually. It's going to be a lot of different things. It's going to be 
you know, how quickly does a vaccine come up? How good are we at testing? How good are we around contact tracing protocols? How good are we in terms of numbers around herd immunity? What about treatments? What about better data on the disease, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And, and those are all, I think, problems that we are going to solve. Right. Like, I think that they're, that they're not intractable problems. Right. We, uh, we will have a vaccine. We will develop treatments. We will have better data on the disease, all of those things. But at some point, what will happen is that the balance will have to take over. And I think that the part that's on us as event organizers, as people who are putting on events, who are designing events, the part that's on us is, is how do we, elevate that sense of safety? How do we help people feel, even in the absence of a vaccine or in the absence of total herd immunity or whatever, how do we create a safe space? And that's really going to be about, you know, pulling the levers that we can control, whether that means, you know, wider aisles or more touch-free stations or more sanitization or better options around social distancing or more of an appointment model for the show floor, whatever it may be. I think there's a whole host of solutions that we can bring to bear on the problem, all of which have to be focused on this idea of safety. And I think it's important to distinguish between two parts of safety. There's the real safety, which is the mathematical risk of, of getting ill. But then there's the perception of safety, right? And I'll give you a good example from my life, right? Like as a kid, uh, one of my older cousins showed me the movie Jaws when I was far too young to, to watch that movie. I had a very hard time swimming at the ocean because in my brain, you know, the, the, the ocean was just filled to the brim with sharks and, you know, they, like it was, it was a very dangerous place. That was kind of my perception of the safety. Now, the reality of that is, you know, shark attacks are very rare and all, all of that other stuff. And I think that, you know, when you start to look at the, the, the true safety math of what we're going to be dealing with as we get a better handle of the disease, you know, the math will continue to go down. But it's also important for us to help resolve the sense of safety, separate from the math. People as human beings don't really have good brains for understanding or calculating risk properly. They tend to be emotional about it. And how are we going to design events and build events in a way that begins to satisfy that emotional sense for safety? And I think it's going to be a mix of a lot of things. I mean, like I said, it's a simple answer, but it's a complicated one. I mean, it's interesting, and I'm going to go a little bit off topic here, so bear with me. My organization started bringing people back to the office in mid-July, and perceptions varied. Some people were ready to go back. They wanted to get back into the routine. They wanted and were ready to be back around other people. And then there's other people who, you know, took the opposite approach, where they said, no way am I going back into the office. I'm not ready for that. Let me have a few more months at home until, you know, more information saying that it's okay to be around more than five or 10 people at a time. I think it's going to be a little bit of a, a slow shift. I think you're pointing, you're pointing out something that's really, really important, which is it's going to be different for different kinds of people. You know, that's going to be true for different audiences, for different shows, and, and it's going to be true for different kinds of marketers. We're having a lot of conversations internally with all of our clients, and the challenges are very different depending on the type of client, 
When we talk to our organizer partners and we talk to them about the issues that they're facing and the things that they're thinking about, they're in a very different math around the need to meet and the need to come together. A lot of their revenue is tied up in, in the live event. A lot of association decisions are made at the live event. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen that is part of the event. When we talk to our corporate marketers, you know, for them, live is a channel and it's a critically important channel, but it's certainly a channel that they can adjust the mix on. And it's not as existential for them to have a meeting. And so their risk profile is very different. And I, and I think that this notion of risk profile that you pointed out when you were talking about the return back to your office is going to be one that we're going to, as people who put on shows we're going to have to kind of think about and address, which is how do you design a show that deals with the different risk profiles that people have, right? You're going to have people, especially younger folks who feel more invincible, frankly, and, you know, feel like, oh, I don't care. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, it's socially distancing, kind of, sort of, like, I guess, you know, I'll sanitize my hands, whatever. And then all the way at the other end of the spectrum, it's like, you know, I may be in a high risk category or I may be dealing with, you know, having a, a member of my family who's in a high risk category and I really don't want to take on any risk around an event. And so how do you design events that adjust to those different risk profiles while also aligning to the needs of the event, the needs of the, the, the organization putting it on, the needs of the people, you know, who are exhibiting there, the needs of the people who are telling their stories there. And I think in a lot of ways, kind of a more audience focused take on all of this, which is ultimately the very basis of design, like understand the user, is going to drive us to the solutions. I think that what we are going to see is shows that are built around different risk profiles with different avenues for those different risk profiles. That's where I think virtual events are not going away. That's where I think that the idea of how events look in the future is going to be this integrated campaign, which has the in-person event as part of it, which has digital as part of it, which may have broadcast uh, or an on-demand model as part of it, and which may have a virtual component as part of it. But really, if you start thinking of live as a kind of integrated conversation that goes on uh, potentially all year round with different beats hitting different platforms. I think that's where you're going to start seeing very interesting thinking around live and very interesting and frankly sticky and resonant ideas around the medium. Absolutely. Yeah, because you talked about that. So I did watch, you know, your video leading through disruption, which was your presentation that you gave MDG. And you talked a lot about how these continuous dynamic interactive conversations are going to be happening all year long, which I think just in the industry itself, we need that, you know, maybe for some events, they can have one event and just kind of move along. But for a lot of associations and organizations that have have events and have clients and have stakeholders, you want that continuous conversations. Absolutely. And, and, and I, think, I think you pointed out something critical, which is our math is going to change no matter what. I mean, this is one of the things that we're talking about a lot in my department. So the very basis of a show floor is a 10 by 10 booth. Like that's, that's really kind of the basic unit on, on, on a trade show floor is a 10 by 10 booth. How do you design a 10 by 10 booth when you have to keep six feet away from anybody? 
So, you know, like that, and that's something that as designers we have to think about, which is, okay, so now really if I start to look at the math of how to lay out a booth, you know, the, a booth used to be a place where, and by used to, I mean like a few months ago, used to be a place that you could have a whole bunch of people in, right? Like you could have a couple of a couple of folks from your company there and talking to a couple of prospects and maybe someone else, you know, looking at something. Or, but really, if you start thinking about it in the context of drawing six foot circles around everybody, like you can fit two people in a booth. So what does that do to our ROI around a booth? What does that do to our ROI around attending an event? What does that do to our my ROI as an attendee around attending an event? And I'm not saying that that by any stretch of the imagination that the 10 by 10 booth is dead. What I'm saying is that we're going to have to innovate how we lay out space, how we think about interaction, how we engage with people and, and each other. And, you know, I think that that's, that's exciting, right? Like that's an exciting space to be because we've, we've got some big thorny problems that we have to solve. And I believe strongly that we will solve them, but it's going to take different math. It's going to take thinking about, you know, um, the the throughput of events in a different way, which is where we start to talk more about the idea of events happening multiple times during the year. Like if an event has to be smaller and I still want to reach the same number of people, do I maybe have the same event three times, right? And um, in different places and maybe they're smaller and more geographically uh, targeted or whatever it may be. And I don't know the answers. I just want to be super clear. I think what I'm trying to point out is not that I have any answers, but rather that there's a lot to explore and that there's a lot of ways to solve for all of these things. There's there's different platforms that are at our disposal, whether it's the web, whether it's kind of virtual meetings, whether it's the floor, whether it's different kinds of engagements, whatever it may be. I think that's what makes it all so exciting right now. That's what actually makes me fairly optimistic. And, you know, as a designer, there are a few things I think that the design can't solve when you look at the problem in the right kinds of ways. I just feel like this is a very difficult time, but also a very exciting time in the sense of we're able to reimagine and look at things from a different perspective. What kind of new opportunities are available in the future of live? Um, that's the biggie. I think so, so much, I think, is, is what's available in the future. I, I think we're on the edge of, of a truly amazing moment in the story of live. There was a period of time where art was very flat. Right? And art was very two-dimensional. And then sometime around the Renaissance, we discovered perspective. And suddenly, these flat paintings took on a whole other dimensionality, and, and they took on a whole different life because we discovered something and began to innovate around it. And so you see art kind of transform into something so much bigger than it was before. And I think that that's why People called it the Renaissance, right? Like it was this rebirth of, of art on some level. I think the same thing is about to happen to live. And I think that we are in the process of discovering a new 
a dimension to our business. And, and it's not like people before the Renaissance didn't understand perspective. They, they understood perspective. They, they, they saw perspective. I mean, people still saw three-dimensionally. They hadn't developed a way to transform that into, the, into two dimensions. And I think that what COVID has forced on the live industry is it's forced us to think in a different dimension. And that is the dimension of people not necessarily being in the same space. And that's not saying that nobody's going to be in the same space. It's just that understanding that our events have dimension that expands beyond space into not space, right? Into into the virtual. And the same is true around time, right? Like how do we begin to think about events when we remove the restriction of time, when we start talking about a platform that extends past the event or begins before the event? How do we talk about things when our platform extends beyond the space of the event into our homes or into um, satellite events or whatever it may be? And I I think that the opportunity that lies ahead of us around design is this idea of the sudden dimensionalization of life. Right, live is uh, is about to spread from being two dimensions, which is really time and space, and expand into this whole other set of dimensions that we've never really played with before, or if we have, we've only dabbled. And I think that we're all kind of in this moment of the renaissance of defining what the rules of um, those dimensions are moving forward. And I think it's going to be really cool to see some of the stuff that comes up. And I actually think that the gradual recovery is going to be good because it's going to give us a wonderful opportunity to experiment and try new things. Oh, absolutely. And we've kind of seen a little bit about that. Like the other day, I opened up a website and it was a drive through almost like exhibition, but it was different experiences. <laughs> Experiential moments. And I was like, this is the was, kind of stuff that is exciting, that is, you know, really like if you're in the industry, this kind of stuff makes me go, wow. Absolutely. I, I saw that same video. I think it was Audi. Audi did like a drive through experience. And, and I've seen um, since then, I started researching it and I found a like a drive through horror experience that you can have yes. in Japan now. That like, I think that that's exactly right. Like, there's going to be so much cool stuff like that. And like, yes, you know, are we going to turn every show into a drive-through? Absolutely not. But it's good that people are finally kind of open to looking at that. Like, I think if you had gone and had a conversation with Audi, you know, five months ago and said like, hey, I want to do this drive-through thing and tell you to stop talking. Now we're in a different math. And all of a sudden, that's actually a really good idea. Let's try it. Right? Let's give it a shot. It might not be the right answer, but the sense of the kind of experimentation and the sense of innovation and openness to the future is I, like, I don't know how it can not be exciting, if that makes sense. Exactly. And I, I think it just goes back to what you said earlier, is there's just a lot of opportunity. What recommendations do you have for event planners as they adjust to this new era? What I would say is like, really don't lose heart. I know we talked about this earlier on with, with the optimism. I really think it's important to understand that we're at an amazing moment in live and it may seem very bleak right now. I mean, believe me, it's bleak everywhere. 
it's not like I'm sitting in some magical world that where where I see everything is like super positive. But I do actually believe in the creativity and innovation of this industry. I work with all kinds of incredibly smart people. I compete with all kinds of incredibly smart people. The people in this industry are very creative, very innovative, and very open-minded folks. And I truly, truly would want people to walk away from this, understanding that despite the darkness, there's a lot of reason to be incredibly optimistic about our future. Wow. Yeah. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate getting to share and your audience. It's truly been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to Exposed. Tune in every Tuesday to hear a new episode and join in on the conversation at ExposedConferencesPodcast.BuzzBrout.com. Thank you.